Give us a call today as we talk and have conversation about the, the scripture here in Acts that we're going through. We, you can, we can be reached at 844-777-7928. Doug, how you doing? I'm good. Um, yeah, just uh, just midweek, Wednesday, over the hump day. You know, uh, hump day, Wednesday, we had uh, two SWAT meetings already. Good turnouts in both meetings. And uh, if you want to... Come tomorrow, uh, you can come to the San Jose SWAT down at Jumpin' Jack's House of Food on San Jose Boulevard. Tomorrow night on the Zoom, if you shoot me an email, or Friday at the Village Inn down in St. Augustine. But uh, I haven't been on here with you in a while, no, Mr. Gray, no, so it's glad to have you back. I'm on with Doug, but it's always good to be here. I'm not with Brad, rather, but it's always good to, to be here with you. And uh, was driving in today, and just as a, as a miscellaneous item, as I know we chat about a few miscellaneous things in the beginning segment sometimes but well not miscellaneous kind of like it's kind of like things going on in our world for people who are just tuning in SWAT stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth ultimately the truth we're trying to advance is Jesus in our culture Uh, and the truth of God you know really as it relates to life and um Connection with the Creator. There's only one source of truth, and that is the Bible. Yeah. I, poor choice of words. Yeah, there, yeah, that's okay. Part. I just meant. I well, meant. You, you know, things you've been going, out of town. You're still recovering, right? <laughs> things going on in the world before we get to the uh, meat of the, the scripture that we're covering. But uh, high school football season, kind of in the in the uh, climax of the regular season here in Northeast Florida, and district championships being decided. And I'm, you know. I, I don't pay as much attention as I did when I had a, a kid playing, but uh, still try to keep an eye on what's going on. And I just heard an incredible stat on the way in that Bradford High School, which is in the area, Bradford I think is a little bit west of uh, west of Jacksonville here, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But they've got to be eight or nine games into the season, and they've given up one touchdown. That's pretty good so far this season. And and one of the guys on the radio who's covered high school sports here for a long time has said he doesn't remember in his two decades of covering high school football here ever remembering hearing a stat like that. So uh, kudos to Bradford High School. They're going a lot of teams playing for district championships uh, tonight and tomorrow, tomorrow night and Friday night. But Bradford has given up one touchdown through eight or nine games. And it was on a broken play. It, it was some kind of scramble and mess of a play, and they gave up a touchdown. But that's it through eight or nine games, so pretty impressive. Well, that's always something you can count on when Dave is in here. He's up on the sports. <laughs> I just he, happened he, to hear that. A little, little bit of a sports enthusiast, and that's okay. Um, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but the Social Security Administration is now allowing people – to um, put down on their applications and documents uh, whatever their identification gender is, even if it doesn't correlate to what's on their birth certificate. In fact, they're even looking at putting an X 
letter X designation for if you choose you're not a male or female, which that is just absurdity. Um, But think about that. This is our government now, our federal government now bowing to the gods of the culture wars in the area of uh, gender identification, not gender, but gender identification. It is absolutely taken our world. And I just want to know where people are and speaking up about it. People are just okay. We're just got our heads in the sand, you know, and one, I, I quoted this yesterday. One of my pastor friends said, you know, it really is abusive as adults to affirm delusions in young people mm-hmm. instead of speaking truth to people who are young and not capable of making those life-altering choices at 15, 16 years old. Instead, we're having uh, congressional people, at least state congressional people in Virginia, propose legislation that would make it illegal for parents not to affirm their child's gender identity, not what their gender is, but their gender identity. That's where we've come to as a country. We we are really literally fulfilling Romans 1, even as we speak. Yeah, and, and when the government starts mandating those kinds of things, that's when we're really crossing a line, right? Because I think, you know, I'm just speaking generally, but the hope is, right, that families are, to your point, are teaching their kids the truth or at least, you know, speaking up about these issues. Mm-hmm. But if the government starts saying it's there's going to be a penalty mm-hmm. if you don't, as a parent, start affirming, mm-hmm. you know, your, your child is a biological male but decides, you know, that they want to identify as a female. And as a parent, if you try to push back on that or guide your child, you're going to be penalized? Well, think, think, about, think about communism, David. In communism, under I've been to Russia many, many times. Well, the goal of communism was that everybody was the same, right? That's where we're going. Think about what 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 do we need an X designation for? Pretty soon, it, it's going to come across to people that what if they decide they're a male? What if they decide they're a female? What if they go back and forth? Think about every time they make changes. What happens within the Social Security Administration or any government? Agency, you got to change forms. You got to do all that stuff uh, to to correct that. And pretty soon, we're just going to be X. We're all X's. We're all just neutral. Yeah. There is no male. There is no female. Which God says in His Word, I created the male and female. But think about what's going to happen. Now. You think somebody's going to run out and tell people after a birth, it's an X. It's an X. No, I mean, you see, it just yeah. takes away our humanity. Right, right. I, you know, I, I think back to when I was younger and I had young kids, and probably like you, right, we listened to plenty of Dr. Dobson. Yeah. And and I remember him talking years ago, and now we're talking 25, 30 years ago now, that those advocating these types of agendas, and of course it was a little different back then, but it was the same in many ways. Yeah. They will never stop. They will never stop, you know, and I think, you know, when you were talking earlier about worrying or wondering if people are speaking up, um, I think people are legitimately worn down 
by yeah. a lot of this stuff. They're just and, tired. Yeah, and we've got, but we've got this adversary, and we've got these things going on, and those advocating these things are never going to stop. And I'm just reminded, I you know, maybe that the context is a little different, but Galatians six nine, let us not grow weary in doing good, mm-hmm. for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that. You know, that's a good admonition and reminder and encouragement not to lose heart. Because yeah. I think that's what happens. We get discouraged, even as believers, right? And we lose heart a little bit, and, and we falter in, in doing good and in resisting. And, you know, I, I need to be reminded of that as well. Well, you know, one of the other interesting things culturally coming out about the uh, community that is lobbying for a lot of this progressive sexual expression, which is what that is. You know, LGBTQ, do you know what the Q used to stand for? Well, I think so. What what do you think? I think it stood for queer. No. It didn't? It stood for questioning. Sorry. Okay, I had it wrong. But now you're right in that they're pushing more and more people are assigning the term queer to the Q. Okay. That's what I thought. It's that, that, that's what's being pushed across. But when you stop and think about it, when you and I were growing up back in the 60s, if somebody said he's gay today, we wouldn't have thought homosexuality. Mm-hmm. We would have thought that was a description of his attitude about life or he's in a good mood or, you know, you know, Don, we now are gay apparel. Right. That, that's about a celebration. Right. And what's happening is progressives are hijacking terms and changing words. And even the, the rainbow. The rainbow was a symbol and is a symbol of God's promise to not judge the earth with water again. Right. And it's been hijacked by the lobbyists in that movement to say, you know, it represents... If you have a rainbow, you support homosexuality. I know I don't support homosexuality. I believe in the rainbow as a sign of, um, you know, God's promise. We need to reclaim that sign back and mm-hmm. stop. You know, like when we see a rainbow now, like a lot of people are disgusted by it because they know it goes against God's design. And listen, this isn't against the people. It's about what the people do or the ideology they espouse. Right. And 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 so as believers, we need to reclaim these things and say, you know what? The truth is God made us male and female to dwell in marriages that reproduce people of the faith community that further reproducing members of the faith community until he returns again. Yeah. To pass on godly values to where we put them on display to the world around us. But we, we just aren't making a lot of noise in that yeah. direction. And, and, and the thing that's so twisted among all of it, you know, among many things that are twisted in what you're talking about, is that if we do say, if we do speak the truth, it's portrayed as divisive and hateful, right? Yeah. That's yeah. how it's being portrayed, when in fact, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. The truth is loving. Yeah. It's loving, not hateful. And not divided. Well, that's what I was saying earlier about the parents. The most loving thing a parent to do is not to affirm a delusion, but to speak truth to somebody who's delusional. 
We're going to take our first break of the day here on SWAT Radio. Glad you're with us. David Gray and Doug Carey come back after the break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ Church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touch down in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion welcome back to SWAT radio everyone David Gray and Doug McCary of his light ministries here with you today and glad that you've joined us and hopefully I my uh, voice sounds a little better. We're having no, a few technical much, no, difficulties. Yeah, that's it much better. it uh, does sound better on this on this mic. I'll probably be all messed up here, Doug, because I had to yeah. switch microphones. But we'll see if I. That's like saying I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. No, you got this. I've you been accused it. of. So anyway, I know we're going to get to our text here uh, in the end of Acts chapter seventeen. Paul's uh, speech to the Areopagus. And uh, before we do that, we were talking before we came on. Just wanted to give a mention to. Uh, uh, our friend Tim Lusk and his uh, minister, ministry that he's involved with, Redemptive Leadership International, had their uh, golf tournament to raise money for that ministry yesterday. It was a great day. Uh, my friend Scott, that you and, I, you and I both know well, was a big organizer of that, and they raised a lot of money for Redemptive Leadership International, which helps in various uh, crisis areas around the world, helps people with supplies that they need, helps missionaries that are ministering there, and uh, I'm sure you can read a lot more about them online, but we had a fun day. Missed you out there, but saw some SWAT radio sponsorship signs, so we were, uh, we know you were there in spirit. Yeah, well, you know, um, we are, um, I, I would have liked to have been there. I haven't played golf in so long, it would have been scary just to be out there. <laughs> hey, uh, I've played all the time, and I'm still scary. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you, you um you have not been here this week on air, but we've been talking about Acts 17, uh, the greatest message ever told. And we're talking about Paul in Athens. Paul was not in Athens on a sightseeing tour. He was there by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And one of the first things we pointed out is in the first couple of verses of a passage this week that Paul 
was discerning the bridges with the audience he was in front of. And the reason he was is because God called him to be a priest and an ambassador. In the same way, if you are a follower of Jesus, this would apply to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, our calling is to discern the bridges with our audience and and share in the, with them, not necessarily in presuppositional ways that are just a lot of times almost like a uh, some kind of sales program to get you on board, but to share narratively. In other words, it's stories. You start with their story, then you move to your story, then you move to a Jesus story, then you move to the Jesus story, and then you invite them to respond to what they've heard. You know, stories, Dave, have a way of moving us. I want you to think about movies for a second in every movie the writer the producer the actors they all are trying to get across a story that speaks to the needs within each one of us if a movie doesn't do that nobody's going to watch the movie right i mean when you really when you're talking about a drama even action movies yeah those are fun but at the end of the day if it's just a bunch of shooting just a bunch of mystery Everybody wants to be drawn in. The really, really great movies really tell the redemptive story. Well, I think of um, Gladiator. Right. It's the story of a guy who was mistreated and who was really brutally, uh, brutally treated. He, He was a guy who gave his life for a country and they killed his family. And they tried to kill him, and it's the story of that leaves you longing for justice the whole time. You're sitting there every moment. You are pulling for justice to be done. Mm-hmm. Only in real life, we don't pull for justice because if we pulled for justice, it would mean that we would be gone. Right. Because we, right. we I mean, but but inside of all of us, there's this knowledge that there should be justice in the world. Yeah. And so when that those kind of movies appeal to that and there is a redemptive element in all those movies. Right. Well, and movies to your point, stories speak to our heart and and they pull us in and we remember things better in stories. I think that's partly why Jesus talked in parables, right? He told stories. I remember reading once in a book, uh probably a John Eldridge book, but about him commenting on that and talking about if you take, for example, the Battle of Gettysburg and you talk about the facts and figures of Gettysburg, the dates that it was fought, what the, you know, the number of soldiers, the number of casualties, uh, what it meant strategically, if you just kind of present the facts, that's all well and good. But then think about going and watching the movie Gettysburg or that was based on a, a book called The Killer Angels. Yeah. It's totally different. When you watch the movie and you're drawn into the story, to the story of it, and the and the individual stories that are happening, it's so much different than facts and figures. And it, when you said, you know, as we present the gospel, if we present it almost like a sales pitch or a presentation, it has that kind of facts and figures well, feel it has to an it, impersonal right? Feel. As opposed to a narrative and a story and what God's done in my life and and finding those commonalities where we can start with somebody. So I think that's a great point. Well, and that's what Paul did. He discerned the bridges, and he was sharing with the philosophers 
uh, the, the, the Stoics, the Epicureans, the caring activity of a personal creator, the certainty of judgment, the dignity of human beings. And he was speaking to both sides. These are two different opposing ideologies. Well, yesterday we looked at verses 24 uh, through 31, but we only looked at really 24 where you can't just discern the bridges that are there. We are called as ambassadors. Ambassadors take a message. Ambassadors function when there's a war to prevent to prevent further bloodshed to they're sent out to really prevent the war from escalating or, you know, they're sent out as one side sending a message to the other people to say, Hey, here's how we have peace, right? Well, we are ambassadors. And if we don't declare the bigness of our God and we don't declare the truth about our God, we're not being faithful ambassadors. And that's what Paul does. He does it all, David, without mentioning one, uh, I call it address. You know, it doesn't come from Genesis. It doesn't come from uh, Deuteronomy. It comes just in the context of a conversation about Yahweh, the creator of the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have you read the whole text again, verses 22 through 34. And then we're going to start going verse by verse. What does it say? What is the truth of our God? And this is the starting point for the gospel going out to people. It starts with God, not with man. Right, right. Okay, Acts 17, verses 22 to 34. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Among them also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. May God bless the reading of his word. Um, David, you know, when you were reading, um, and you were reading his message, 
Paul's message, they, you know, Abraham Lincoln said this is probably one of the greatest messages, speeches ever given. Mm. Uh, I mean, and when you think about where he was at, he was in Athens, he was in the Areopagus. Areopagus was like the intelligentsia center of the world. Yeah. Uh, the, the Stoics there, uh, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, these are great names in philosophy throughout the ages. Uh, the Roman uh, emperors sought training from all these uh, supposedly giants of philosophy. And, you know, when you look at the way Paul goes in there, Paul did not pull back and try to use fancy words. He didn't try to use what he says in Corinthians, lofty speech. He just started with God. And he started telling them, you know, about that unknown God, that God that they had uh, uh, an idol to. And, you know, every person in the world, I don't care what they say their belief is, everybody says to in their own hearts, man, I wonder where I came from. Mm. Uh what am I even here? What's my purpose? Where am I going? Is this all there is? Everybody wrestles with those questions, whether they verbalize them or not. And, you know, science uh, tries to answer how we came from by talking about evolution, the Big Bang, or whatever. But I shared this in the uh, class. When I go to Russia sometimes and I was would go to the universities, and I know it's mostly atheists in there, I would do an illustration where I say, you know what? I'd get a Coke and I would tell them about the Coke. They all knew what a Coke was. Coke has great branding, by the way, all over the world. Everybody knows what a Coke is. And I would tell them about how Coke got here. And when we come back, I'm going to share it with people. And because I think it's a great illustration for people who maybe struggle with thinking, well, you know, the whole Big Bang and evolution, I don't know really how to speak to that. I want to give you a good way to speak to that. Great. We'll look forward to that after the break. We're going to take a break for the news. Give us a call at 844-777-7928 if you have a question or comment about what we're talking about today or anything. And we'll be right back after the news. Doug McCary here with you on Wednesday, the 26th of October. Man, the time is flying We're about again. to be it in is, November. It is unbelievable. So when I always joke that when I was a kid and adults would say to you, oh, the time's going by so fast, you're getting so big, you know, you, you blow it off as a kid. But <laughs> yeah. as an adult, you don't think that. But anyway, we are in Acts uh, 17, and we just read verses 22 to 34 which covers Paul's address to the Areopagus. And, Doug, you were 
starting to give us a, an illustration about coke in russia it's the real <laughs> thing all right so no seriously uh when i was sharing over there and i this is not original with me nothing's original right everything's borrowed but i got this from ray comfort who's was a guest of ours on the program one time but uh and i changed it up a little bit but i i, I used the coke can and so i would take the coke in there and all the students would know what it is and i'd say do you know how this got here well no um i'd say well, millions and millions of years ago, there was an explosion. And out of that explosion, this multi-brown sweet fluid began to flow. And it just flew up like out of, a, out of the ground like a volcano. And uh, as time went on and years went on, it, uh, there was a stream that was flowing by the, the molten uh, brown, sweet, sticky fluid uh, that was filled with water that was bubbly. And they intersected at some point, and then hundreds of years began to pass, and they were surrounded miraculously by aluminum. And the aluminum continued to envelop and separate into perfectly formed cylindrical cans and, and little pop-tops were put on them out of nowhere that just sealed them in. And then as hundreds of more years passed, red paint went around them, red and white paint, and then the lettering C-O-K-E miraculously was written on each can with paint. And they're all by this point rolling their eyes and laughing. They're saying that's ridiculous, right? And I said, but yet we believe that the human being that has 42 million nerve endings in our eye, that has miles and miles of extremely coordinated blood vessels in our body, that has a immune system that we couldn't even begin to design, um, is just something that popped out of a big explosion yeah. millions of years ago. See, you see, you got to speak that to them because it starts with God creating us, right? God creating us. He created us. And that's what Paul says in verse 24. Yahweh created the world. He, By the way, the name of our God, people, if you serve the God who is the father of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his name is Yahweh. And so everywhere you see Paul talking about the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven, he's talking about Yahweh. And so in verse 24, he said, Yahweh created the world. He reigns over the world and he resides outside of our efforts to do anything for him. Uh, in verse 25, he said, he gives us life. He gives us air. He gives us everything. So if he gives you everything, David, what can you take credit for in right. your life? And nothing. And that's why I think people have such a hard time that's why people want to explain it differently. They want to explain it like the can of Coke crazy uh, analogy that you were giving because if someone else did all this for us, then we are not the top dog, so to speak, right? Mm, yeah. And, 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 and people want to be the top dog, including me at times. Yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. So uh, the explanation that, that, that we are subservient to a God and there is a God who's in control of all things 
um, torches people at their pride level. Yeah, and and yeah, you're right. People do not like that, but Paul doesn't wince about it. He just states it outright. He gives you everything. He gives us everything. And notice when he says, he says, uh, although he he himself gives to all mankind, mankind life and breath and everything, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined where he lives and that that these places that he placed us, specific places and times, or so that we would seek him. And he even quotes from Greek poetry, Epimenides, who is from uh, Crete, and Aratus, who is from Cilicia, which is where Paul was from. But these are two Greek poets. So Paul is actually quoting poets they would have known and yeah. talking about how God yeah. is, we are from God, we bear the image of God. So how in the world are we going to do anything from God if we come from God. Right. And and a couple of things to your point earlier about this being an Abraham Lincoln calling this one of the greatest talks or speech, I shouldn't say a talk, a speech ever. We forget, and it's hard for us to put ourselves in that in that place, mm. that who Paul was speaking to. So he's talking to these uh, self-important people who think that they are the top dogs, and right? They, and they, and they, they absolutely preside over all the thought right. and religious discussion in Athens. Right. And I think I read Areopagus means defender of the gods. Yes. I think that's what it means. They protect the gods from blasphemy. That's what right. It. But also in their mythological beliefs, right, they believed that men could do things mm-hmm. to appease the gods Yes, and that's... or sway the gods. And Paul, and Paul is saying, no, no. Mm-hmm. God lives outside of the realm of men. God created us and provides us with anything. So what can men do for God? But he's actually even appealing to their reason to say, listen, if we are from Yahweh, then we should know he's not made from right. our hands if right. we are from him. Right. Just like he goes on, and I know you're going to get mm-hmm. to this, to talk about an offspring doesn't, you know, is outside of the person who... Produced it. Produced them, right, yeah. exactly. And, and so, and and I love what he's, in verse 30, he goes, listen, the times of ignorance God overlooked, that doesn't mean he didn't notice it. It meant that even though he, he was aware of it, he didn't bring his wrath down. Right. But he says, now, now he commands all people. And by the way, the Greek word for all means exactly that. It means all. And the Greek word for everywhere means everywhere. Yeah. So he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed the day on which he's going to judge the world. So if he commands all people everywhere, David, do we have a responsibility to re- proclaim repentance to the country of India that is 98% like Hindu? Yeah. I mean, there's no mincing words there. Yeah. Paul doesn't mince words. And first of all, first of all, that as a believer – that is a convicting verse to me, right? It's very Com- convicting. Commands repentance. This is not, you know, the old joke. It's not the Ten Suggestions. It's the Ten Commandments, right? And it's the same thing here. He commands repentance. And, of course, as believers, we know that our salvation is assured. We belong to Christ. Our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. But but there was a time where we repent 
it was the repentance unto faith, right? Repentance in faith, acknowledging Jesus, believing on Jesus, and then it's a daily repentance, right? Not to resave ourselves somehow as if we could do that, but to clean up our communication with God and to confess our sins before him in a in a humble posture before God, right? So that our communication with him, you talk about all that that all the time. We blow it even as believers, and what are we supposed to do? Repent quickly. Yeah, right? that means simply means turning yeah. and saying, I don't want to keep going in this direction. But what Paul offers him here in verse 31 is he says he offers mercy and forgiveness through Messiah, Jesus. And you know what's interesting is he doesn't say Jesus' name in the text. Now, he may have said it there. you got to remember not everything Paul said in the Areopagus was recorded right. for us here. Right. But what God wanted us to have memorialized for his message here, and he says that he's going to judge the world by a man whom he's appointed, and of this he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Well, you can rest assured if Paul preached about the resurrection of Jesus, he had to talk about his death. And how did he die? He died on the cross. And we know from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he said, hey, I determined to know nothing except what? Jesus and him crucified. I didn't come with lofty speech or words of wisdom, only Jesus. So you can bet Paul was preaching Jesus to him, and and the people responded in three ways, just like they do today when you share the gospel. Some rejected, some were curious, and some accepted. Mm -hmm. Dionysius the Areopagite, which was a leader there, right? He was an, they were, he was called the Areopagite, which means he was part of that council. He became a believer, and so did Damaris. And so Paul just goes through declaring the bigness and the truth about God. And, you know, I want to I wanna, uh, share again with listeners. I did it yesterday, Dave. I'm going to do it again today. There's a gospel outline that I've used for years and you can see the outline in the way Paul shares with the Athenians here. And in this outline, it's four major ideas. God's plan, our problem, God's provision, and our response. Those are the four main points of the outline, but you can share it in a narrative way. Mm -hmm. And when we come back from the break, and I'm going to share it, and then if anybody wants to call in, I'd love for them to weigh in on anything we've talked about today. But in this text, I'm going to show how Paul actually followed this outline in the text and give some supporting verses from other passages of Scripture. But, you know, one of the things Paul did is he not only preached the gospel, he preached the doctrine of God, mm -hmm. the Creator. He didn't just talk about the cross. He talked about creation. Right. You know, he didn't just talk about salvation. He talked about judgment. And today, I think we give a half gospel yeah. a lot of times. We leave those things out. Well, when we went through this prior to going to the Philippines, and we can talk a little more about the outline here. When we went through this, I remember you specifically saying, too often it stops at God's provision of Jesus, which is, of course, crucial. <laughs> Yeah. But it stops short of talking about our response, which I know we're going to get into when we come back. Yeah. We are going to take our final break of the day here on SWAT Radio. Give us a call at 844-777-7928. If you have a question or comment on what we've been discussing, we'd love to hear from you. And we will be right back.
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray and Doug McCary of His Light Ministries here on SWAT Radio and glad that you are with us. We are talking about Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 34. And, Doug, I know you're going to give some more color on uh, the outline, the gospel outline here. And I just had one other thought about the text. Uh, You know, we were talking about Paul appealing to the Greeks about, you know, if we're God's offspring. And I never really thought about it this way before. But if we are God's offspring, like their own poets say, Mm -hmm. um, then God— the divine being can't be gold or silver or stone. That just is so ridiculous to think about, right? If, if, if we, if he was saying to them, look, you know that as human beings, you have a soul, you have a conscience, you have thought, you have Mm -hmm. breath. So how can the one who produced you Mm -hmm. (laughs) be of gold or silver or stone or be almost like an inanimate object? Right. So it just, it can't, right. It's just common sense, but that, that argument is so simple, and yet I never really thought deeply about it till I till I was reading that. And uh, well, now, you know, well, you know, it's when we think a lot of times of people in other countries like India that worship statues uh, of the snake god right. or what whatever. You know, we kind of think, well, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to pray to this, but our idols are just as deadly. Sure. sure. Uh, our idol is uh, maybe money, maybe uh, our job, maybe our family, maybe whatever, just fill in the blank. Yep. But I was reminded of a story when I was in India, as you were talking there. There was a little boy and his grandfather. He was staying with his grandfather for a week, and his grandfather had an idol in the house. And so one day the little boy was messing with the idol, and the grandfather said, no. He's going to hurt you. Get away from him. Get away from him. You know, the grandfather's really superstitious. And um, so one day the little boy um, moved the idol. He just moved him. The grandfather said, I told you to stay away from him. I told you to stay away from him. 
He goes, but grandfather, the idol moved. The idol moved. And he goes, don't be ridiculous. The idol can't move. It's wood. <laughs> yeah. Great. And the grandfather revealed the truth about yeah. the idol, yeah. even though he still worships the idol. Yeah. In hopes of somehow getting some prayer answered through it. Right. And so it's it's ridiculous that people do it, but they're so superstitious. That's the way these people were. And Paul, when he deals with it, he deals with, you know, that outline I gave God's purpose, our problem. God, he deals with it. Listen, in verses 24 through 28, he deals with purpose, God's purpose. We were created by God for what? An intimate, dependent relationship and partnership where we honor and glorify him by putting him on display. Colossians 1 6, Paul wrote the Colossians church. He said, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. They were created through him and for him. And isn't that what Paul said in Mm -hmm. verses 24 through 28? He said that, right? Mm -hmm. And 1 Peter 2, Peter says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. So those two verses there really go along with this idea of God's purpose in creating us for that vertical relationship with him. And what Paul's laying out is he created you. He made you. He made everything. You you are just puny little man, and God made you for a relationship with him. Mm. So, so that should evoke gratitude and dependence instead we're prideful and arrogant, and we say we don't need him. Right. And that's the second part, our problem. We choose to be self-led, self-righteous. We ignore God's rightful place as ruler in our lives, Yahweh. And and that's what Paul said. You guys are building idols, verses 29 and 30. You're building idols out there that, that have nothing to do with Yahweh. It can't because you are created in Yahweh's image. So if you are creating in Yahweh's image, why are you, as a created being, trying to create you with your imagination somebody who wasn't created? Mm-hmm. He just always has been. Right, right. I, I mean, so, and he says the punishment for our rebellion is death. He doesn't, he talks about judgment there. We know that Paul wrote the Romans and said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means all people have been rebellious. And he also said the wages of that selfishness, that rebellion is death, eternal punishment. And so that's the second part of the outline. The third part, though, is God's provision. Because of his love, God sent his son, Jesus, as our rescuer. And, you know, he brings that out when he says he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And I'm sure Paul went into what he wrote to the Romans in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still in rebellion, he died for us that by his blood we will be saved from the wrath of God. And then finally, our response. You know, Luke brings out the response of uh, Damaris and uh, Dionysus, but our responsibility when we're sharing the gospel is not just to give God's purpose and not just to give our our problem as humans and even God's provision, but we have to get to the point to invite them to respond are you willing to turn from mm. trusting in self or anything else to relying totally on Jesus as Lord? We do not like calling people to the biblical term is repentance, but it's turning. Yeah. 
And, boy, you just don't hear that phrase very often. You don't hear people talk about repentance except in a church. Right. And I tell you, you don't have to use the term repentance. You can talk about turning from self-led to God-led. Yeah. Turning from rebellion to dependence. Yeah. And that's all he wants. And, you know, uh, Dave, as I looked at this whole text, I, I thought, if we're not speaking like Paul spoke to the Athenians here, maybe it's because we're not feeling what Paul felt. And if we're not feeling what Paul felt, maybe it's because we're not seeing the way Paul saw. And what we have to do is ask God, have mercy on us. Give us eyes to see. Brandon Heath sings that song, Lord, give me your eyes. Give us eyes to see the way you see God. Give us a heart to feel for these people. And, and, And even beyond feeling for the people, give us a heart to be jealous for your glory. I mean, Paul looked at Athens, and he was jealous for the glory of God. And then he acted. He went to the synagogue. He went to the marketplace. Yeah. He went to the Areopagus. He was ready to go anywhere. And far too many of us are content to just sit back and let somebody else do it. Yeah. Well, that all remind. That's a lot, boy. That's a lot of great stuff. And and it reminds me of what you just said. Of course, last week's teaching. Part of it was being able to see with divine eyes, asking God for that ability to see with divine eyes and then engaging with a divine message. Right. And Paul just displays that so greatly here. And, and, and the other thing you mentioned that I really was thinking about while you were talking is those first three points, Mm -hmm. God's purpose, our problem, God's provision. And that's what I was talking about earlier when we went to the break in some respects. And and I'm just going to speak from my own experience, I guess, it seems like it's a little easier to talk about those three things than it is in the fourth step to get personal to your point (laughs) and say to someone, well, what do you think about that? Are you willing to turn? Do you, do you believe that? And, And what do you think about that? And I think, you know, that's where the, we have to be a little more vulnerable. Obviously the person hearing it has to be more vulnerable and that, by our nature, I think makes us a little uncomfortable. And I, and you've always talked about part of all of that is just practice. Part of it is just making up your mind that you're going to do it and, and doing it. And then it becomes like anything else that you practice. It becomes a little bit more natural. It becomes a little bit easier, but I think the, the two things in, in talking about our problem Talking to people about what God's wrath and punishment really means is unpopular today. And that's what we've been talking about, that we give a, a one-sided kind of a message. The gospel means good news, but if there's good news, it means there has to be bad news for there to be good news. And and the good news trumps the bad news. Yeah. But there is bad news apart from Christ, and that is separation well, the good, and the, the wrath the, of God. The good news, though, isn't appreciated unless you have the bad news. Correct, correct. You can't start with the good news because people don't appreciate the correct, good news. Correct, correct. It and would that, be like trying to get you, Dave, hey, you need to go have chemotherapy. Well, yeah. why would I do that? Yeah. Well, because you have cancer. Right. We have no symptoms, no significant diagnosis from anybody. You're not just going to take my word for it. We try to go up to people and talk to them, oh, and jump right into the cure yeah. without talking to people about, hey, do, do you ever struggle with ABC or whatever and get into that conversation with their story 
the brokenness of our world. Right. And then, you you know, the Bible talks about with prideful people, you hit them with the law. You know, um, you ever think about uh, the fact that we're not, we have this nature in us that's so rebellious against the person that creates. Oh, I don't believe in a creator. Well, how do you think you got here? Yeah. How did we get here? Yeah. You know, and you start dialoguing with people. You move from the superficial into the struggles of the world. Yeah. And then you get to the hope. But you have to start with the bad news. Yeah. And Paul started with God creating the world. God did not create the world to be like this. Yep. And and talking about that he's fixed a day of judgment and you know, we, we've talked about this before, hell and God's punishment, which the Bible talks about a lot, is so glossed over and so almost made comical well, in the people world. don't even preach but, about hell anymore. Yeah, and of course, we're at the time of year where we're going to see a lot of uh, costumes of demons and devils and this and that, and it's all kind of well, a Well, it's big all joke. over the TV right now. Right, and, and, and this idea that anything, think about it maybe this way, anything good that we have in this world is from God. Paul says that earlier in the text. Hell will be the complete absence of that. Yeah. And then also somehow an infliction of, of God's wrath, which Jesus suffered for us in three and a half hours on the cross, which is a another program. <laughs> well, it is. But you know what? If you're listening out here today and you have not personally bowed your heart to Jesus and not turned from being self-led to being led to God by Jesus... Right where you are, you can tell him, you know what, God, I want to do that. I don't even know what it looks like, but I'm willing today to yield my life to you. Bring people into my life to help me with that. He'll do that. And I hope you'll do that before the day's end. Amen. We are going to sign off on SWAT Radio for today. Uh, Quickly, guest tomorrow. Yes, Jeff Andrews, uh, Highway to Eternity Ministry. And I will be back on Friday along with our friend Bob Grauman to continue to expand on this text. See you then. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual